Hey, as we look into God's Word this morning, we are in the third week of a series that we've been calling First Things, um, a look at the first church of Jerusalem. And we're trying to just identify the basics of what it means to be a church, what God wants from his people. And I began this series three weeks ago with a pretty radical kind of analogy. I said this, I said, imagine if I were to come up to you and said, hey, you know, I really like you, but I kind of find your spouse annoying. I don't really want to have anything to do with your wife. Kind of find her hypocritical and actually a little bit ugly. (laughs) Can you imagine someone saying that to you? I say that because the church is the bride of Christ. He loves his church. He wants to use his church and he's chosen the local church, different local bodies to be his representatives and, and, and his mechanism in this world. Just like he chose to use the nation Israel in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, he has chosen to use local bodies, churches, to be the community of people that he uses in this world. Now, as we begin uh, today, I I just want to encourage you um, to listen in. In fact, I'm going to sit down and I want you to think about this message today less as a sermon and more as kind of a, a fireside chat. FDR used to do weekly fireside chats uh, when he was president. And I just, I want to share my heart with you. Uh, I'm going to say some difficult things today, some challenging things, I think. But I want you to hear my heart in it. And I also want you to hear this. This message today is not directed to anyone who has left Centennial Church or anyone who might leave Centennial Church. This message uh, really is a heartbeat of what I think we have neglected often as a people of God and the 21st century, 20th, 21st century church. The centrality of the local church and what should be our devotion and commitment to it. So I want you to hear my heart on that. And I just ask that you would listen with open ears and open your heart to what God's word may say to you this morning. And in fact, as I thought about this message and as I planned it this week, I actually thought about asking you to not think about it as a message coming from me or your current pastor, but actually thought about this message as giving it to you from the perspective of perhaps your future church or your future pastor what they might want to say to you and might not say to you from the beginning as directly as I'm going to say it today. So I want you to hear this message in that light with that heartbeat. And I want you to be devoted to the church. Even if it's not this church, Centennial Church, my prayer and my hope is that you'd see the centrality of the church in God's plan and that you devote yourself to her. So with that said, let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 2 once again. And we're just really going to focus on one word today, but I want to read verse 42 for us again. We've already looked at it in weeks past. But Acts 2.42 says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. 
Now we're going to focus today, basically our whole time, on that one word, devoted. And here's where we're going this morning. We're going to see, first of all, a definition. Secondly, we're going to see uh, a progression. Thirdly, we're going to see some distractions. And then fourthly, we're going to make two applications. Okay, so first of all, a definition, this word devotion. They devoted themselves. What do they devote themselves to? Well, you see it right here. There's four kind of primary practices that it says they were devoting themselves to. They were devoting themselves to these practices, but they were also devoting themselves to this people, to this new community, if you will. Uh, they, the church had just formed here uh, in Acts 2 at Pentecost with Peter has preached this message and many have put their, their faith in Christ. And as Peter ends his message in verse 40. If you look back at verse 40, uh, I love the words that he says here. It says, uh, with many other words, Peter bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. He's saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. He's calling them out to be a new generation, to be a new people, to be an alternative community. And that word crooked uh, in the Greek there, I looked that up and that's the word scolia. Does that sound familiar to you? Scoliosis perhaps, crooked. Save yourselves from this crooked generation. The opposite of the word scolia in Greek would be orthos, from which we get the word straight. Crooked, straight. Save yourself from this bent, crooked generation and, and give yourself in devotion to this new community, the church, God's people. Be devoted. If you look up the word uh, devoted in uh, English dictionary, here's one definition I found. Devoted means zealous or ardent in attachment, loyalty or affection. Zealous or ardent in attachment. Are you zealous and ardent in attachment to the church and to these practices? If you look it up in the Greek dictionary, you find this kind of definition. It says, hold fast to something. Hold fast. Continue or persevere in something. Be devoted. Hold fast to it. Or a second definition from the Greek dictionary, to busy oneself with to be busily engaged in. And now remember that as we come to the end uh, a little bit later when we talk about some distractions, how this definition said to be devoted is to busy yourself with something that you're committed to. Zealous, ardent, holding fast, being busy with, in, engaged in is to be devoted. This word devoted is actually uh, a repeated word throughout the book of Acts, and we don't have time to go into it today, but I have a whole list of places that this word also appears in the book of Acts. In chapter one, you find out they were devoting themselves to prayer before the Spirit came. Uh, you find in Acts chapter 10 that Cornelius was a, a devout man. Uh, Ananias, who kind of helps Paul be converted, shares the gospel with him after he has that vision. Ananias is, is described as a devout man. 
So it's interesting that as you see these religious people in the book of Acts, now the author is describing that their, their devotion has changed from perhaps Judaism or Greek God-fearing people to be devoted to the church and to devoted to this new fellowship, this alternative community. I want to be honest with you this morning um, as we talk about this subject. I have a bias. I have an experience and a presupposition that makes me particularly passionate about this. And here's why. See, I grew up in a church. I was raised in the church. I sometimes say, you know, I have a drug problem. I was drugged to church. Ha ha. Uh, But the church that I grew up in the pastor, whom some of you have met, Pastor Bruce, was the pastor of that church for 30-something years. Devoted. My parents were members of that same church, that same local body, for 40 years until they moved to Oklahoma City about a year ago. That's not just in them, but it's in their blood because my grandparents who all lived in Enid, Oklahoma, both sides of my family, both sets of grandparents were members of their local church for 60 years. See, that's kind of the way I think about church and devotion. And I'm just being honest to you. I have that bias. I think that you ought to be committed to a group of people and to a, a local body through thick and thin. And sure, there's times to leave a church. You may disagree with doctrine. You may, you may think that the church is going in a direction you, you just can't follow. But a lot of our church hopping today is pretty frivolous. Hey, I like the music somewhere else, or I like the preaching better over here, or, you know... Uh, my, my kids' friends, they go to this other church, so they want to go there, and we just hop and shop. And I'm, I'm biased because that's not the way I was taught. That's not what was modeled for me in devotion to a church. I want to show you a progression uh, here in Acts chapter 2. If you, if you back up to verse 41, we see this logical progression that happens Uh, First of all, let me read verse 41 on into 42 for you. It says, listen to this. So Peter's preached and verse 41 says, So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And then verse 42 And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, Now look at these verbs. They received his word, first of all, and then they were baptized. They received the word, they were baptized, and then they were added. Now, all three of those verbs are, are in the middle or passive voice, which, so you can see that they were baptized. They translate it were baptized because they're passive in that. They're being baptized by someone else. But then when you get to verse 42 to this word devoted, it, it turns to not only the active voice, but the present tense. It's, it's ongoing. They were devoting themselves, ongoing. So 
That's the pattern that we see here in Acts 2, that you come to faith in Christ, you're, you're baptized, you're brought into the church, and then you are devoted to that body. Elizabeth has been reading um, a classic work by C.S. Lewis called uh, The Screwtape Letters, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with that book, if you, uh, even if you haven't read it. But The Screwtape Letters is this story, these chapters of kind of a senior demon mentoring a junior demon, his nephew, Wormwood. And so Screwtape writes these letters to Wormwood to coach him and how to get the believers and get the church off track. And it's a beautiful and fascinating uh, read. But she directed my attention the other day to chapter 16, and I'm just going to read you part of that here. But listen to Screwtape's words to Wormwood. He says, Dear Wormwood, you mentioned casually in your last letter that the patient has continued to attend one church and one only since he was converted and that he is not wholly pleased with it. May I ask what you are about? Why have I no report on the causes of his fidelity to the parish church? Do you realize that unless it is due to indifference, it is a very bad thing? Surely you know that if a man can't be cured of church going, the next best thing is to send him all over the neighborhood looking for the church that, quote, suits him until he becomes a taster or connoisseur of churches. The search for a suitable church makes the man a critic where the enemy wants him to be a pupil. Wow. A taster, a connoisseur, a critic, whereas God wants us to be a pupil. Those are tough words, and they're tough words to me, too. I found myself guilty of this just on Friday as I was talking to Garrett, and we were talking about some preachers that a, a lot of people know that are famous, and I found myself cr- critiquing these preachers. And here I am, I've been re- like, we're critics. I'm a critic. And that spirit of criticism, that spirit of shopping, if you will, when we bring it into the church, is just a, a foreign a foreign concept, an alien idea to what a church should be. So we have today not just uh, church shoppers, but we also have church hoppers, and we also have church droppers. Church shoppers, church hoppers, church droppers. The shopper is looking constantly for the best thing, the best deal, best program. The hopper wants to take a little bit from here. It's like a buffet-style church, so, you know, I'll send my kids over here, and I'll go to this Bible study, but I really like them. That's hopping. And then some people just give up and drop. And neither of those, none of those, are the pattern and the idea that I think we find in the New Testament to the bride of Christ that Jesus loves so much. the definition, the progression. Now I want us to consider this morning some distractions, some distractions to our devotion. I've said this before, but in North Texas, I've said the ABCs of North Texas or Collin County are affluence, busyness, and consumerism. 
affluence, busyness, and consumer. And folks, these are killers of devotion and particularly devotion to your church. uh, Affluence, we'll start there. Uh, To be affluent, to have money, to have means uh, really kind of gives us a sense of self-sufficiency. Hey, I don't need anything. I've kind of got it. So a sense of affluence can kind of breed in us. Hey, I don't really need the church. I'm kind of I kind of got things figured out. I don't have great needs or big problems. Um, You know, the Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, he talked about being poor in spirit. And some have said in suburbia or 2020, we're not poor in spirit, but we're kind of middle class in spirit. Man, we've got, sure, we'd love to have it more, but we kind of got enough. I, I just don't feel needy. Affluence breeds this independence and this self-sufficiency and also breeds this kind of shopping mentality of like, hey, uh, I've got money. I'm able to buy what I want and get what I want and I ought to be able to go into the church and get what I want. So, you know, if I can't get it here, then I'll go find it somewhere else because I'm able to get what I want because of the means I have. You might think that affluence would make really healthy and wealthy churches, but that's not actually the case. I saw a study just this week released that says the average Christian gives 2.5% of his income to God's work in the kingdom, to missionaries, to local churches, to kingdom work, 2.5%. Some of us will spend more money this year on cable TV and our cell phones than we'll give to the work of God. Affluence can be an obstruction, a distraction to our devotion to Christ and his church. Secondly, busyness. Busyness. Well, remember that definition from the Greek that I mentioned earlier that to be devoted is to busy oneself in something that's important to you. And man, some of us are so busy in all these other things that we can't be busy about the things of God in our church. Busyness kills devotion. Busyness hampers relationships. How can we be this loyal and tight family when we don't even have the time to give and to, to our family or to build those relationships? Yeah, we, uh, we want this family, we want this church, but it, you know, we just don't have the time to give it to, you, to, to it because we're just busy going here and there and our kids are in this and we're working this many hours and we just, we're pulled and pushed and we just busy, busy, run by the clock. I mean, it's just common language. Hey, how are you doing? What's the first response? Fine or busy, just busy. It's just the air we breathe. It's just the water we swim in these days, busyness. And unfortunately, because of all the activities and because of the, the, the sports and the stuff all of our kids are in, some, sometimes you can have baseball and you can have soccer and you can have band. And when push comes to shove, the first thing to go is church. And hey, I, I, I can't miss practice. I can't miss a game. So, but hey, I mean, I can miss one week at church. Imagine this. 
Imagine if you showed up to practice or you imagine you showed up to baseball games 50% of the time, twice a month. How's that going to go over? What kind of devotion does it say about us that we're more devoted to extracurricular things than Christ's church? We're just too busy. The third distraction is consumerism. We are consummate consumers, shoppers, buyers. And think about all the options we have from Amazon Prime to, you know, DoorDash. That's just convenient and easy so we can consume, so things can be the way we want it. And man, when we bring that attitude, that same consumer mentality into our devotion of the church, it makes us critics and it makes us shoppers rather than pupils, rather than followers, rather than disciples. It makes us stockholders. And that's not right. We have an Insta world. Not only Instagram now, but we have Instacart and Instapot. We use, we use them all in my house. The Instapot, it's great. They cook this thing in 10 minutes. The Instacart, bring the groceries to me. Thank you so much. I don't have to get out. Saves me time. It's convenient. And now we've got on-demand streaming. Netflix, Amazon Prime, Give me the shows I want when I want them. We used to have to wait till 7 p.m. at night to see the A-team or whatever, whatever it was, to watch Friends at a certain time. Now you get it on demand. Now imagine when that mentality comes into a church, on-demand streaming, on-demand church, insta-church, DoorDash church. And I'm concerned, as I've said in weeks before, that this whole online experience has just played right into our consumerism. So now what can we do? We can sit in our jammies on our couch and consume church. And hey, if we don't like what Ross is saying, we can just flip over to some other dude. Who's got the best music? Who's got the best message? What's best produced? That is the attitude of a consumer And folks, it's not the attitude and the pattern we see in the church. Hey, again, I want you to hear my heart on this, okay? I'm not pointing to anyone directly, past, present, future. I'm just trying to lay out here what I really see as the New Testament pattern and the New Testament standard. And even if you're not going to be devoted to Centennial Church, here's what I want you to hear. Find a church and be devoted to it. Find a great church and give yourself to her. Give yourself to those practices. Give yourself to those people. We're an alternative community. We're a light in the world. The church is the bride of Christ even if you and I sometimes find her annoying, hypocritical, and not that pretty. So by application this morning, I just want to ask you two, 
honest, direct questions, okay? The first thing is I want you to honestly ask, and the second thing is I want you to humbly identify. First of all, humbly ask. I just want you to ask yourself honestly this question. Do I desire to be devoted? Do I desire to be devoted to a church? Do you really, in your heart, or do you really just kind of want to have your needs met and consume? Do I really desire to be devoted? That's a good question. That's worth some time thinking about it. I'm going to give you a moment to think about it in a minute. The second question I want you to ask yourself is to humbly identify. What are my distractions to being devoted to Christ and his church? Is it busyness? Is it a shopping consumer mentality? Is it self-sufficiency and independence? Just humbly identify what are those things. Maybe you want to ask a spouse or maybe a good friend. What do you see as my distractions? I want to give you a moment just quietly as Garrett plays to think about those two questions. And then I want to end with some words today um, from Charles Spurgeon, a preacher called the Prince of Preachers. Um, I want to end with some words from him. Think about those questions and then I'll read. Give yourself to the church. You that are members of the church have not found it perfect, and I hope that you feel almost glad that you have not. If I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I would have never joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it. Still, imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. All who have first given themselves to the Lord should, as speedily as possible, also give themselves to the Lord's people. As I've already said, the church is faulty, but that is no excuse for your not joining it if you are the Lord's. Nor need your own faults keep you back, for the church is not an institution for perfect people, but a sanctuary for sinners saved by grace, who though they are saved, are still sinners and need of all the help they can derive from the sympathy and guidance of their fellow believers. The church is the nursery for God's weak children where they are nourished and grow strong. It is the fold for Christ's sheep, the home for Christ's family.